Okay. Well, welcome back. It's True Crime Trine. It's a podcast where the planets align. I almost forgot. (laughs) But three friends get together. We have conversations about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. This is our last podcast of the year. Oh Woo! my god. And this is episode Lucky 37. 37, Sarah's favorite number and Sarah's favorite episode. It all worked out. Also, Woo! it's the human body temperature in Celsius. That is oh. true, actually. I've never thought about it like that. Still don't like it. <laughs> it's an odd <laughs> number, so Hannah hates it. Blah. Two <laughs> odd numbers? Blah. <laughs> Alrighty, so housekeeping. Housekeeping. I have one. We are welcoming Spain. Hola. Oh, España. Please listen more and <laughs> reach out. Send us and... your paella recipes. Yeah. Or is paella not Spain? It is. I just I just have an aversion to paella now. Oh. Well, okay. Tempranillo. Oh my god, I love Tempranillo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what else okay. is Spanish? I want tapas. Yeah. Yeah, tapas. Yes. Awesome. I just want to give a special shout out to a friend of mine that screenshotted their Spotify wrapped and we were the podcast they listened to the most. <gasps> oh, that's so like sweet. Like family. So, hi Jess. I feel like I said I had something else to say. Oh, there was there was a shout out and there was a smidge of housekeeping. Well, while you think about it, I have two go backs to okay. two of our previous episodes. I think now I forgot one of them. One of my go backs is in our Washington episode, Marty Part Two, which you <laughs> would have listened to two weeks ago when you listened to this one. I said the Walla Walla State Penitentiary, and it is not. It is the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. There is no state of Walla Walla. No. (laughs) I always called it the pen, I guess. I never thought about what its name is. To be fair, though, that was the second recording of the (laughs) evening, and we We were were all sloshed. Give us a little slack. Intoxicated. Sloshed and exhausted. I was like, uh, (laughs) kill me now. (laughs) Yeah, because <laughs> I think I had like had a terrible night's sleep the night before too. I don't yeah. remember, but like this is supposed to be. And fun. we recorded for five and a half hours. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. so much fun. It was just yeah. not the. It was not the original intent. But yes, Walla Walla is where the Washington State Penitentiary resides. So that was that was my bad. Whoops. Oopsie. Did you have another one? No, I can't remember it. <laughs> We'll get to it next time. God, well, I can't remember what I was going to say in housekeeping. So let's get into crime. Yeah. Let's ring out the new year with crime and then ring it in with more crime. <laughs> end with a, I don't know, this isn't much of a end with a bang. No fireworks going on really here. Well, there were fireworks the night of. Okay. What about gunshots? No, I don't think so that's a good question i'm not sure okay there's not a whole lot of information so this is actually a missing person's case 
but in which they do have a person of interest that has been paying the price. Okay. That seems like there's really no other option. Anyways, I'll get into it. This is the missing case story of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope. Time and place, it's New Year's Eve in New Zealand in 1997, so New Year's 1998, and Ben Smart, who is 21 at the time, and Olivia Hope, 17, are friends, slash maybe more than friends. Um, They're preparing to celebrate with several other friends, yeah. They've put together this whole weekend where they're going to be hanging out on a rented yacht in what's called the Marlborough Sounds. So this is like a crazy network of like sea-drowned valleys and weird alleyways and isolated mini islands, kind of like a weird like mountain range that's submerged by the ocean on the northernmost end of the South Island of New Zealand. So between like Cook, it's not the strait. Is it a strait? I can't remember. Ah, booze. Here we go. We do really bad <laughs> at geography. When we I am do not trivia. good at geography. It's between the North Island and the South Island. It's on the South Island, but it's like this crazy little place where Apparently, New Year's Eve is a big fucking deal, and they take all these yachts and boats and stuff out, and they, like, raft them together, they tie them together, and then they use dinghies and, like, little boat taxis to go between them and just, like, get drunk all night. Oh, fun. So, yeah, like, massive party on boats and boats and boats. Okay. I have to sit here and wonder, my parents were pretty lax with me. Would they have let me go to a gigantic yacht party for New Year's Eve for several days with older men? For New Year's Eve? I'm not sure. So Olivia's older sister was actually going to be there too. And they're very responsible. So Olivia was already, well, okay. Olivia was born to Gerald and Janice Hope. Gerald and Janice. I just think that's so cute. (laughs) She was attending Otaga University studying a bunch of different things. I don't think she's actually decided at that time what she wanted to do, but she was interested in politics. You don't have to. Yeah. Politics, law, and music were all things that she was interested in pursuing. Take your time. Yeah, right? She was an avid piano player and excited to go with her sister Amelia, her older sister, and several of their friends for this New Year's celebration on on the yachts. Her friend Ben Smart, born to John and Mary Smart, was also interested in music. He was actually in a couple of different bands, was actually really good at guitar apparently, and had kind of decided to join his father's firm when the time came the next season. Okay. So, um, the two of them kind of organized where they were going to get picked up at different locations. um, And they boarded what's called the Tamarack. So this is one of their chartered yachts. And they traveled to Endeavor Bay and were staying at a lodge nearby and were going to be using the yacht to to transport their friends. And then the night of, they actually had made reservations to stay on the Tamarack. So you need to do this well, well in advance because everybody wants to be on the yachts for New Year's. It's a big deal. It also sounds like a drowning potential. Oh, for sure, right? Like, terrifying. But so the yacht's making several of these trips to be able to collect other people along the way that are part of this friend group. Um, And then this massive water party where like they literally are all tied together and people are going between boats from one party on one boat to the next. It's crazy stuff. Take your Jeremy. um, Southern Hemisphere. So is it summertime? It's warm. So you can go swimming and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that sounds super, super fun. Yeah. It just sounds like one giant booze cruise. Yeah. Otherwise, like... Being in the winter on the ocean would be miserable. <laughs> it would yeah. be like atmospheric. Old. It would be a different kind of get together. Yeah. So like I said, the crowds of this place mean that you definitely have to pay in advance. You have to plan ahead. The parties get crazy. So you want to have a place to crash. And if you don't res- reserve somewhere, then you're like up shit creek, basically. You're sleeping on the shore. <laughs> uh, sounds like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like. At least it's summer. Great. You can put a tent out. 
kind of, but like there's high tide and low tide and weird stuff and like none of them are really that well established, I guess. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, not something that you definitely like want to do as a party goer. You want to be able to have your own bed to sleep in at the end of the night. So Olivia, smart girl, she's paid in advance to ensure she has a a place to stay. But on crazy New Year's Eve, she figures out that things are getting a little bit crazy and her bed seems to have been taken by some other drunken rando and she needs to find another accommodation. That'll happen. Meanwhile, this guy named Guy Wallace, guy named Guy. Oh, hey, Guy. What you doing here, Guy? This guy. (laughs) This guy. He's just finished cleaning up around, um, like, he has this bar on shore, so it's kind of like this, what is it called? It's like a, not a tavern, but lodge of sorts. And he's approached by this young couple who had had left earlier and tried to find their way via footpath to this little beach cottage that they'd rented, and they couldn't find their way. So they asked him for a ride via his water taxi. This is such a mess. Yeah. Olivia's sister, Amelia, and her boyfriend, Rick, also happened to be there and wanted to go out to the yacht that they were staying on, the Tamarack. And there was another man who also wanted a ride to his yacht, but that was a lot further out from the dozens of boats that were moored and anchored together offshore. So Wallace first went to the Tamarack and dropped off Amelia and Rick. And once they climbed off the boat, Olivia was like, oh my gosh, hey, I uh, don't have a place to sleep anymore. And so she climbed onto the water taxi along with Ben um, so that they would have an option off boat to be able to try and find somewhere to go. And they're thinking they're going to go back to shore and to maybe one of the hotels or something nearby. Okay. So thinking that that's their best option, they get on board, only to hear from Guy Wallace that there's really, really slim chances of them finding any lodging availability because things have been booked out for, like, months, right? This is really, like, triggering my Capricorn sensibilities. She did I, the it gives work. Me so much. Yes. She I'd be like, went ahead of time and out. she, like, reserved the room. So she shouldn't be running in this, like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing situation. Yeah, precisely. I'm, like, already mad. Drunk dude would have got evicted. (laughs) Drunk dude might have been violent, though. I would be hesitant with drunk dude. Drunk rando? Maybe he was stinky and the bed was gross? I don't know. Maybe he pissed in the bed. Oh, my God. There was this one time at a conference up in Tahoe. Did you ever hear about this, Sarah? Where someone, I'll tell you who it was later, got super fucking pissed at like drunk pissed at the party that they have and then he totally pissed all over someone's bunk bed i was not a conference i was in that cabin in the next bedroom over okay okay it was a cabin party and yes he got way too drunk and he actually ended up urinating on the girl that he brought with him for the cabin trip we might be thinking of something different oh okay (laughs) i wonder if it's the same person well it's at fallen leaf lake it, the cabin was not at fall. Yeah, so this, it wasn't this for was a at this was like a oh. a little like intercollegiate conference at. Fall yeah, you'll have to tell me late. after who this is. I think and there was the another person. pissing incident right into a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not safe in a bunk bed. No. Okay. <laughs> Don't get so drunk that you'll mistake a bunk bed for a toilet, please. Oh yeah, yeah. it's not a toilet. <laughs> Though when Hannah said this one time at <laughs> this you were one say time band camp, band camp. <laughs> I have yeah. no musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> well, these two did. Okay, do do do. All right, yeah. So Amelia and Rick get back onto the tamarack. I don't know what their situation is. Maybe Rick's friends already had like made sure that they had space or something. Who knows? Olivia and Ben get off. They get onto the water taxi, hoping to find somewhere on mainland where there's going to be some inn or hotel that has availability. 
And Guy Wallace is like, nah, slim chances. And so they're like, well, crap, what are we going to do? There's another couple that are on the boat, right, that we're going to get their ride to their little beach cottage. They don't speak up. But this other random single man does. And he says that he's got room on his boat. Ah, yeah, so, yeah. Sketchy. Now I'm thinking of It's Always Sunny. <laughs> oh. The implications. <laughs> the implications, yes. Um, so Olivia and Ben are elated to hear this, like, yes, cool, awesome, it's all gonna work out. And the guy goes, well, no, only she can come. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. He mm-hmm. only wants the tiny, cute, blonde teenager, no. the boyfriend, of course. So we're no. like, what the fuck, right? Red flag, red flag. Red, 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 yeah. But Ben and Olivia, they're, you know, tipsy. They take this as like, it must be a joke and they laugh it off and decide to both go for it because they're exhausted and they think it'll be, they'll just be fine if they stick together. So they're staying together and they're both going to get on the boat. Like, what's this guy possibly going to do? He's, you know, not that scary looking or whatever, I guess. Those are the scariest ones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wallace, the taxi driver, Guy Wallace, taxi driver, is thinking, well, this is creepy, but who's he to say anything? He feels like it's not his place to say this is a bad idea. Well, he was the the one that was like, you're not going to find a hotel. Right. So he could have said something. He was already butting into their business. Guy. Yeah. So he drops them off. It's a decent distance from the yacht party. And this guy's large two-masted sea vessel. Here they're calling it a catch, which I've never heard of, but cool. Okay. I've heard of a catch from old seafaring novels, but I don't know what it is. A small it's boat? Apparently a two-masted, large, roughly 40-foot boat. So Wallace drops them off, they get aboard that boat, and he's then the last one to ever see the couple. Well, you don't want to be that person. Nope. Guy is in a bad place. So the water taxi driver is the last one to see them with sketch dude with sketch dude dropped them okay. off all at his boat the three of them are on that catch sketches on catch oh it's a sketchy catch did he like recognize like what the boat's name was didn't see the boat's name because the side that they boarded wasn't like i don't know i don't think he saw what the name was he also okay. said that it was kind of low in the water so it could be that for whatever reason like it was it had more weight than usual and maybe the name was covered somehow other dead bodies oh god <laughs> i hope not cement blocks to tie them down oh yeah yeah i that's speculative not sure guy never got sketchy catch's name the no, dude himself not. no so olivia she's usually a very responsible person has a job going to university normally checks in with her parents at, like every chance that she can just to let them know that she's okay this was like early, early at the morning, in the morning, like 3, 4 a.m. on New Year's Day after New Year's Eve party winds down, right? So a whole day goes by and her parents don't hear anything. So on January 2nd, they issue like missing persons report, basically. And the police begin retracing the couple's steps, working through their friend group and figuring out like where they had been. Mm-hmm. So what they find, of course, is that Guy Wallace had offered to take them on, on the boat to try and find other lodging for the night. And that he remembers he had taken them to this large catch, double-masted, blue-striped, wood ship boat thing um, around 4 a.m. on New Year's Day. He gives a description of this mystery man. And apparently he was around 5'10", had medium-length, dark, brown, disheveled hair. Um, A slight beard, around 5'10", not particularly huge or muscular. He had some arm tattoos and he was wearing jeans and a Levi shirt. At the bar that night where this guy was when he first got the ride... They found that several women had also reported seeing a man matching this description who was being generally creepy and harassing to them. Come back to my sketch catch. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, creepy. So police also received many descriptions of a local man named Scott Watson who matched this suspect's characteristics that night. And police described Watson as having kind of a scruffy look that night, saying that he had also had dark wavy hair. He may have needed a a shave and a haircut that day and was wearing similar clothes. Shave and a haircut. (laughs) Two bits. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to help you sing that song, but I can't remember the words. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not good at music. All right, so Watson was 5'9", Caucasian, dark brown hair, similar build to the description, had forearm and hand tattoos. Um, Most notably in the record was that he had a skull tattoo with skin written across it, which is a reference to a white white supremacist ideology. Oh, like a Uh, skinhead? No. Yeah, born in 1971. he had hair? He had hair. Okay, okay. Yeah. Farmers? He had a skinhead tattoo? I don't know. (laughs) Great. Sounds like a lovely guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was reportedly heavily intoxicated, confrontational, and had basically propositioned more than 20 women that night <laughs> at the fu- Furneaux Lodge, where Wallace worked. One witness okay. reported seeing him around 2 a.m. walking away from a blonde girl who was holding her face, <gasps> and she was asking why he had hit her. Whoa! Seriously? Yeah. Why did you make me hit you? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I gotta laugh a little bit for going zero for 20 on New Year's Eve. Boy, howdy, yeah. you're not doing well. Should have done the shaven haircut. Yeah. Should have <laughs> not drank as much, to be honest. Yeah. So the police couldn't find this girl to get her testimony or anything, but investigators so- soon took an interest, obviously, in this Watson dude who lived on his 26-foot home-built steel sloop called Blade. Not a catch? Not a catch. It's a sloop. Okay. It's going to be very bony. your boats. <laughs> it's all about boats. All about boats. Boat, boats. Boats, boats, boats. <laughs> Yeah, so it's called Blade, of all things. Jesus. He's built it himself. Now he sounds like a neckbeard. Blade <laughs> is a name for a boat? Ah. It's a sloop. I don't know. All right. So police interviewed Watson's friends and associates, and some of them said that he would often be pretty aggressive and really rude and just disgusting towards women when he was drunk. Others said that he had enthusiastically talked about the idea of raping and killing women <gasps> on more than one occasion that year and had bragged that he could probably get away with murder. You don't call him your friend anymore. Yeah. Maybe acquaintances are better. Associates is like... This guy just was talking to me and I want no connection to him. (laughs) Yeah. Or you can call the police. Yeah. (sighs) That's you. I want... Can you? Would you... What would you... I don't know. What would you do, though? I don't know what the police would do with that. Yeah. I'm not... I'm literally not sure. Well, it's like stalking where, like... You can almost, the police can do almost nothing for you until an actual crime yeah. is occurring. But I don't know about sure. this. Like, I literally have no idea if you can just call the police because this guy is like, I want to rape somebody. Well, if you're friends, like friends with somebody, so you know dude's name, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you like call the non-emergency line and be like, here's the dude's name. It would be nice name, to get on like the record. And yeah. here's some shit that he said. So if people start, I mean, because this looks like a smaller community too right i mean i get that there's an influx of people for the holiday but still then they could be like oh yeah remember we got that call about that dude who was like i really want to rape somebody and he's from ask him some questions right (laughs) yeah i don't know like get him on the record somehow yeah yeah that would have been good they didn't but they were finding out after the fact at least they also, the police also interviewed a teenage girl who had stated that Scott had pulled a knife on her when insisting that she come to his bedroom for sex, saying that she, like, she was 
pretty sure that he was being serious about the knife, but she was able to scream and run away and her flatmates were like alerted to the danger. So she like she was able to be protected. Okay. So Watson's not a good guy. Scary. No. Creepy dude. Sketchy. Yeah. But there's a reason why this case has a lot of media following it. And that's because it's just it's not so cut and dry as it seems. So on the 3rd of January, 1998, Guy Wallace, our taxi driver. Uh Uh-oh. Drew a sketch for the police of what he thought the boat had that he had dropped Ben and Olivia off on. What he drew a, a sketch of the catch. Of <laughs> <laughs> the sketchy he catch. Drew a sketch yeah. of the sketchy catch. <laughs> catch it all, so y'all. So you can't make this shit up. So he drew it. He drew what looked like a yacht with two masts. Wrote around thirty to forty foot catch question mark on the drawing with catch underlined twice in his handwriting. He's very good at boats. Yes. He, well, I mean that's he lives constantly like working around boats because he's at that like boating lodge bar thing and he has a boat and he sees boats all the time because he drops people off at their boats all right fair (laughs) so he described the catch as well-maintained sharp looking and tidy built of timber and had a thick blue stripe on the hole um it had several round portholes that were framed in brass and he said it was rafted in a group of between three and five other boats but he can't really remember it was not that like noticeable other than you don't see a whole lot of double masted boats in the area okay in an early police interview he described the catch as being low to the water calling it a wet boat so like the water line is not that far below the surface of like the top part of the boat he really is boat expert guy Uh, it's a wet boat yeah saying that it's not a very high step from his water taxi like little boat that he had um and that he was able to hold on to the yacht to stabilize it for the two to or the three, technically, to disembark without him actually having to reach up to grab hold of anything. So Hayden Morrissey, who was one of the other passengers that was waiting to get their trip to their little, like, beach cottage, partially supported Wallace's description of the boat. Morrissey was interviewed by the police three times in January um, of 1998, but didn't mention the boat having a second mast or the word catch until a fourth interview. Well, I would never mention the word catch, but <laughs> right. But like they didn't say they didn't say anything about there being two, the two masks. masks though, I wouldn't. I think well, but it might not be something that stands I'm out. I'm not to very you observant. You, know you might be kind of drunk. It's dark out. Yeah, yeah. they're all drinking. They're they couldn't out, find know. their way by footpath. They had to get a boat ride to the cottage. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's not a hat. He does not have all his wits about him. <laughs> yeah. So after doing um, a TV interview. Discussing the mystery catch theory, the police examined thousands of photos taken on New Year's Eve and interviewed all of the boat owners that were there. But they weren't able to really corroborate Wallace's reports of this mysterious boat that has two masts. And within the Endeavor Inlet that night, like none of them had any double masts that anyone could find in any photos or any reports. And then they weren't able to also locate any of the three to five vessels that he said it was rafted to. Okay. So eventually, Detective Pope would publicly state that the police were fairly certain that the catch didn't actually exist at all. And there were public reports of boats that were similar that had been flooding in after this. So like, they're like, you know, it doesn't exist. And then people are calling in like, no, actually it does because like it's on the news and they're getting invested in it, you know? They want to help find these these kids. And so dozens of reports for like even a single boat that has two masts would come in and the police would basically say, no, we're not, we're not interested in any more of this. So they're not following up on any of these sightings. Huh. They're not following up on any of the, the witness statements that are potentially leads because they are now interested in Watson. So their disinterest in new information kind of like yeah. sullies yeah. the water here, right? 
And so they, a lot of people begin distrusting the investigation. Former detective Mike Chappell, who worked on the case, later claimed the officers has been, had been told not to follow up on sightings of any two masted catches. I think it's hard if you have a lot of tips coming in, like to find the balance where you're like, this isn't going anywhere. We need to start. Look, we need to put our personnel somewhere else. But yeah, sure. the catch seemed but good. Good clue. And they kept yeah. got getting catch things. But also, eyewitnesses are the worst. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yeah. So who fucking I mean, knows? even just a couple of days later, like you were probably slightly intoxicated. I would not remember a thing. I can barely see to begin with. Yeah. So really, this the only person that they really had to go off of was this guy Wallace. This guy, Guy Wallace. Guy! (laughs) And Wallace's story keeps changing and becoming more elaborate, too, which is like, what the fuck? Like, just keep it simple. And, like, if you want to stand by the fact that it had two masks for sure, then just do that and, like, make it so. I don't know. Um, But he also was the only one who had a really good description other than the two people who were going to get to their beach cottage, which who knows how intoxicated they were. They were getting a ride. So this location that Wallace says that he had dropped them off nearby was the area where the blade was tied to with another boat, the Mina Cornelia. And so police were able to seize Watson's. They seized the 26 foot sloop. (laughs) They got the boat, folks. Which had a metal hole. Hole. It's a hard word. H-U-L-L. I'm not even going to try. Steel hole. Hole. Handmade, right? Homemade. Zero portholes, zero brass, zero wood. God, it's like only one. It's, only one mast. It's like the like white, creepy van of boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a molester boat. Yeah, it had it had a hatch to go like under, but it, the hatch didn't have any real locking mechanism. He would tie it together with like twine or rope to keep it closed during storms. And on the underside, for like insulation, it was basically just like styrofoam underneath. Hmm, that sounds cold. Yeah, sure. It's, I mean, it's like the best he could do for homemade. And it's not like he ca- this guy came from money. Like his family was troubled and everything anyway. But so when the police seized this sloop, the blade, everyone who was following this case was like, what? This doesn't remotely match the description of the boat that we've been told to look for. So everyone's upset yeah. over this. Mm. Watson was being interviewed by Detective Tom Fitzgerald when police seized the blade and then executed search warrants on the homes of his parents and sister. And then during the interview, Fitzgerald directly confronted um, Watson for the first time in the investigation and basically told him to come clean and just tell them where the bodies were. So Watson, he's been in and out of the system a bit at this point. He's like, I need my lawyer. All right. That's fair, You do. Yes. Yes. Certainly do. So let's see. I think I had a little bit to go into on Watson. Do, do, do. Ah, Scott Watson had 48 prior convictions. (laughs) Holy fuck. For fighting. I mean, yeah, he had just a couple of stints of jail time, not very long for each of them. But he um, had convictions for fighting, possession of a deadly weapon, sexual harassment, inciting violence in a public place, etc. Troubled dude, didn't get along with people very well. He also seems Plus like all a his dude that friends slash acquaintances stories. Yeah, just, yeah, most of his problems were with alcohol. Like, he can't handle yeah. it. It turns him into... He's a mean more, drunk. He's a mean drunk. Yeah. So the Blades undergoing this forensic examination, rumors about the Watson family are surfacing. Some people think maybe the police have started this to just kind of like ruin his name and make it an easy case. But basically like, so this small town is called Picton and it's also circulating now to national media in New Zealand. And they found that Watson had actually repainted the Blade around the same time of their disappearance, which seems a little suspicious too. Yeah. 
Later, Watson and his family would accuse police of influencing the media coverage of this case and suggested they leaked rumors to reporters that his family were criminals, that he was a guilty man, and that he had an incestuous relationship with his sister. Ah, gross. Ah. Police also reportedly followed and intimidated members of his family and some of his friends. Okay, but they were too busy to check on the catches. Now I'm mad. Because they already had their man. Yeah. And so they're making up stories about him? So they're making up stories about him. They're like, this guy's already had 48 convictions. He was in the place at the same time. And he fucks his sister? We don't know that. (laughs) But there are literally from that night reports of him being... Being gross. Being gross, creepy, aggressively sexual. Like, it's not the craziest idea I've ever heard. Yeah. But where does the incest with his sister come in? It's just, it's a troubled family. I think they made assumptions or maybe they had some sort of additional witness who was like, oh yeah, I heard that he does this or something and they went with it. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, how do rumors start? True. It's a game of telephone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that can all just be, like, what, hearsay? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Hearsay, conjecture. Yeah. But between January and April of that year, Wallace, Guy Wallace, was shown photographs of Watson included in the photo montages. You know, how they, like, present that page of, like, does anybody here ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. And so Wallace was shown two photographs of him in montages when he was interviewed by police in January, and he didn't recognize anyone in the photographs. So he was shown him twice yeah. within January and didn't see him and, and like recognize him. Then in April, he was shown a fo- photo montage again where Watson was depicted in one of the photographs with his eyes kind of half closed, like like he had maybe blinked during the photograph. So it's a different photo. It's a different photo, but same guy. And so this was uh, this would become known as the blink photo. And <laughs> when Wallace saw this photo of him, he was like, that must be the guy. Hmm. And he had said that, like, he looks really similar. The The man that I saw that night, his hair was more unkempt and he had more stubble and, like, maybe a little bit more, like, hair in his face kind of thing. But that the eyes had stuck out to him. Um, Not and that, that well. To be, yeah, well. <laughs> the the yeah. eyes that were, like, half blinking stuck out to him. Somehow. Not the open eyes. Was uh, Watson, like, already on the news by this point? I mean, he had He to was probably small town gossip at the very least. Yeah, small town gossip. He had been the suspect. He had been questioned and in custody and everything. And his boat was seized and the the public knew that. Yeah. So he's like public enemy, even though he may or may not have been even the person to do it. I feel like there's also some sort of a human desire to be helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's who I saw. Even And maybe you even start believing it because your mind is so malleable. Right. So Watson was then arrested for the murders on June 15th of 1998, about five months after um, Olivia and Ben were reported missing. In New Zealand, they have what's referred to as the Crown, which by my understanding is basically a special prosecutor that's kind of like a a private lawyer that's appointed to like the most heinous, heinous? Heinous. Heinous. (laughs) I think I wrote heinous because I was like, the Crown, heinous. (laughs) Heinous offenses on behalf of the crown so like the crown here is referred to as like this special lawyer basically prosecutor okay so in this case the crown said that watson went alone to the celebrations at the bar at ferno lodge with the intention to pursue women um and take them back to his boat as victims basically at that point because of what he had said before okay that watson's boat was moored in roughly the same location that the pair had boarded the mystery man's boat and that witness descriptions of watson's behavior and his appearance that night made him a match for the mystery man and that he had expressed to his associates to his associates a desire or willingness to kill people in the year prior now i have okay. a question about though 
how did he get another boat? Like the sloop? He has a sloop already. That's we know it's his boat. Where did the catch come from? If it was his, it's a mystery. So I have a question. Did the police look into Guy Wallace at all? Because he worked at the bar that the dude was at and then also was this taxi driver or boat taxi, whatever. Did they look at Guy to say maybe he just picked this douchebag dude to like (laughs) his crimes on? That's a good question. That's a good pick. I didn't find anything like that. I do have a little bit of a tidbit. Okay. I don't think I've gotten to this part yet, but... I feel like it can't be Guy because there was that couple that was still on the water taxi. Precisely. And so they saw Olivia and Ben, am I making that up? Yes. Get off onto a boat and then they were taken to like their beach cottage like last or something. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about those guys. Yeah, because they were the other eyewitness for like, yeah, like we kind of remember this guy and his boat, but I don't remember there being two masts, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this prosecutor is detailing Watson's suspicious and unusual behavior on the morning of New Year's Day after this has supposedly taken place whenever he was supposed to have done anything with the two. Mm-hmm. So he uncharacteristically left without disturbing any of the others in the morning. So he took his boat, unrafted it from the other boat that he was tied to, and left early, early in the morning. He was kind of in the middle. Yeah, so his boat was tied up with the other... Shoot, what was it called? This is his sloop. This is a sloop, not the catch. The sloop, not the catch, but he was tied up definitely with the Mina Cornelia. Okay. And this is still like amongst a lot of other boats and like everybody, if anybody was awake, they would have seen. God, I love boat names. So he he slipped away pretty early in the morning when like probably everyone was sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, drunkenly sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. Blacked out. But he was in such a hurry to leave that he left one of his yacht's fenders behind, tied up with the Mina Cornelia. I didn't know they had fenders. <laughs> I, yeah, whatever a fender on a sloop is. But he left early despite only recently going to the boat, right? Because they got dropped off at like 4 a.m. So he left super early in comparison to that. So he probably didn't even get any night's sleep. Okay. And he had no real reason to leave early. He then went into deeper water, but... Ah, it's a, what's it called when you're on the sea and the laws don't apply to you anymore? Oh, it's not international. No, it's still definitely New Zealand. Ah. He went, he went into like out from the sound where all like the different alleyways of all of the water from the submerged valleys is. Yes. And more out into like where the ferries go from the North Island to the South Island. I'm thinking of maritime law, which is I think the same thing as a sovereign citizen and it's not really a real thing to be. Yeah. Yeah. So he he had gone into Cook Strait and that was like his story, I guess. But he came back and then gave his sister a ride on his boat later that afternoon. I don't know. Like the timing, no one's there to corroborate the timing at all, really, um, except for some other eyewitnesses. So other factors were that his alleged lies regarding his whereabouts, no one can know really for sure. The Some aspects of his statements were attempted to or attempts to be able to deflect attention away from himself. They kind of, like, found him in some aha moments during what he said in his statements in court. This might be a drunken question, but they had all those photos, and they were trying to see the catch, and they never did. Did they see his, Did they see Watson's sloop? Yeah. There's his, his sloop is tied up with Mina Cornelia that night. Okay. We know for sure. He, that's not something he said. It's, yeah. Like, the people that own Mina Cornelia also corroborate that, and they said that when they woke up the next morning, his fender was there, and that's it. <laughs> Wild night. Yeah. 
He also was unable to produce the clothes that he was wearing on that night, which the crown found suspicious. Is it, though? I don't remember what I wore yesterday. (laughs) Sure, but, like, it was your New Year's Eve outfit. I don't know, but he was, he's a mean drunk. I don't think he dressed up in a tux. (laughs) No, he might have been in jeans and a Levi's shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. The Canadian tuxedo. (laughs) Well, no, but that would have been the the outfit described before of, like, the the mystery dude. Anyway, so there were reliable witnesses out in Cook Strait that said that they saw Watson's yacht or Watson's sloop in Cook Strait that early that morning out beyond okay. all of, like the valley areas um, and the islands of the Sound. Okay. Where they're arguing is probably where he disposed of his evidence. Or he wanted to see the sunrise. I'd be a terrible juror. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like throwing in inconsistencies and or, or. I mean, I do this too. <laughs> I mean, like, but how do we know? It could have been anything. Yeah. No one saw him dump a body over. I don't like but this guy, but. He said yeah. that he didn't go out there. Oh, he said that he stayed put and people saw him, oh. which was one of his major inconsistencies oh, in his statements. I didn't realize statements. that. Okay. Yeah. So defense would argue that the sighting of the blade in Cook Strait was not possible due to other sightings of like the blade in Erie Bay, making like this distance traveled between argument. Like there's no way that this boat could have gone this fast to be here and here mm-hmm. within this amount of time kind of thing. Sure. But like, I don't know, when do they know exactly that they saw it sort of thing, you know, too? Yeah. How do they know that it was that day or that time? And that boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see a boat that kind of matches that description, but you're, you know, what? Who knows? When they asked, "Hey, have you seen this sloop?" That could have been weeks later. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then I would be, "What's the sloop?" And <laughs> it would just be a whole issue. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that he had taken his sister out on a boat ride that day and that he had been at a certain time, certain place just doesn't really stand because there's just too many like loose ends to have to tie Mm -hmm. with no real solid concrete evidence. Watson's defense requested that the identification of him from the, the blink photo be excluded because it wasn't an accurate likeness. And the judge was like, nah, we like it. We're going to deny this request. That could be when he's all bleary eyed drunk. That might be what he looks like. (laughs) <laughs> that's right? true that's true yeah uh hi what where am i uh <laughs> <laughs> and it is like three o'clock in the morning on new year's mm-hmm. eve so and he was shit-faced at the bar harassing women so yeah this has yeah. to be the worst night to investigate a crime for police because everyone's shit-faced yeah. <laughs> yes like no eyewitness testimonies are going to be accurate oh dear So Guy Wallace was asked again about how sure he was about the Blink photo. And he said he was pretty sure that it probably was the same guy that was on the water taxi that he saw Ben and Olivia go with. He thinks it's the same person, but he's like not 100%. Wallace was then shown a confirmed photo of Watson with his eyes closed. (laughs) That was a photo of him from his friends on the other boat that he was tied to. But in this photo... He had shorter hair, was a little bit more clean shaven, and Wallace said he didn't think it looked like the man from the water taxi. But it was the same it's night. The same night? Oh, okay. It's the same because that's the night that he was tied to that the Prima, not Cordelia, what, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. That other boat that he was with. Well, was he wearing a Levi's shirt in that photo? No. Okay. So, like, 
this this photo thing is like there's also the thing too of he was shown Wallace was shown this photo yeah like three or four times yeah so it could mm-hmm. be one of those things too of like huh he looks familiar because you've seen him before but it was like oh, months yeah. prior in January in the other police investigation time yeah so I don't know it's just like it's weird that way don't they have rules against that now too like you can't show the same photo because then it's just like oh yeah this looks familiar I feel like you've also changed the way that they set up the photo arrays mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. it sounds like a small town, too. I feel like a guy, the boat expert, might have found Watson, the drunk guy, in his bar once or twice as well. Sure. Yeah. So after all of this, Wallace would then go to change his position after the trial, saying that he felt like he was being mistreated and threatened by the police. At one point, he left the interrogation and felt like he was so upset and, like, he was so, like, messed up from the endeavor of, like, them trying to find out information from him that he couldn't even safely drive himself home. Oh, my God. And he's not he was, even like, a so suspect. Shaken. He's a witness. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, like, interrogating him Oof. so hard that it became, like, fight or flight sort of situation for him. You want to yeah. be sure, but that is not at a time when you would get the most, like, reasonable answer. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like somebody's got, like, their hand pressed really hard on the back of his neck and they're like, this is this the, is the guy, right? right? Yeah. This yeah. one? Mm-hmm. And he's yep. like, yeah, yeah, man, whatever. <laughs> sure, can I can please I go, go home? home? Yeah. Can you yeah. stop touching me? So Wallace, after the trial, says in a statement that he felt that Watson was actually innocent. And this was a position that he maintained in multiple interviews until his death in March 2021. Oh. So Guy passed away. The Crown spent a lot of time in court working on eliminating all of the other boats that were moored or anchored in that party in Endeavor Inlet. They looked into literally the only other lone yachtsman around, that was around that night and found that he had a significantly different appearance from the mystery man that Wallace and the couple say that they saw that night. He was moored far away from where Olivia and Ben were dropped off and didn't have the same kind of boat at all. The Crown argued that the distinctive catch described by Wallace could not have slipped in and out of the Endeavor Inlet unseen by anybody so it's like oh. this thing probably didn't ever exist or the, the description was inaccurate that it had two masts because everyone there loves boats yeah. and everyone would have been like oh look at that one i want to say guy boat expert i believe him when he says it has two masts and is a catch yeah yeah so wallace our guy guy yeah <laughs> He had testified in court that the only similarity really between Watson's blade and his memory of this catch was that they both float. <laughs> I kind of like All right, that guy, that, that was a good one. Yeah. So the Crown had also said that Watson painted the outside of his yacht from red-brown to blue immediately after New Year's Eve. But that's the wrong color, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So like it couldn't have been red-brown that night and then changed to blue. Yeah. Which is also weird. Yeah, why would you change it to the color that everyone's looking for? Yeah. And he had also removed a distinctive wind vane, which depending on how tall that thing was, might have been mistaken as a second mast. Sure. I don't know. Oh. But like either way, he's changing the look of his boat, which is like he's a not great. New Year's cleaning. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm gonna new take year, care new of my boat. start. New year, new sloop. New sloop. Yeah, there new we go. Sloop. New sloop who dis. <laughs> <laughs> They highlighted the fact that Watson had told his ex-girlfriend that he had been given the paint over a year beforehand, which was inconsistent with another statement from Erie Bay caretaker who said that he gave the paint to Watson on the 2nd of January. So like a day after the, or actually the day that they were reported missing. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Crown also questioned the absence of material covering and the foam from two sections of like the, of the blade's interior, basically. 
But there was no other blood evidence or fingerprints? No, it had been totally wiped down. And then he took his sister on that boat ride. So they found fingerprints, but just for the two of them. And there wasn't like, like it had been all wiped down. They even, he even wiped down the inside of a cassette player, which is like, why would you do that? I don't that? know if a drunk, angry Watson, is this good at cleaning? The, yeah, the day after, <laughs> yeah. probably really hung over. like, yeah. Having not slept, going out into Cook Street. And I get a little crazy his cleaning. his sister has OCD cleaning. Mm, so maybe. she was like tidying up the sloop while they were out. I maybe. Know. But the two blocks of foam missing was a... I cleaned very deeply my house, and I've never been like, let me go into the cassette player and clean that, too. <laughs> Unless there's, like, blood spatter that you're really attracted to. How the fuck did it get in the cassette player? I don't know. Maybe the whole cassette player was... Nearby the spray. Okay. So, yeah. There's not that a bunch of fingerprints because it's been fully wiped down, and then he took his sister to kind of, like, maybe replenish fingerprints. I don't know. There was those two blocks of foam missing from the interior of like the the insulation that he had cut out and removed fully. And then there's also these scratches on the underside of the hatch. So remember how I said that the hatch doesn't actually have a real locking mechanism? He kind of just like ties it shut. Yeah. There were scratches on the interior foam lining of the hatch and they're saying that they're consistent with marks made from human fingernails, which could have been from when they were trying to like claw their way out. But the defense argued that the scratches could have only been made when the hatch was open because they go right to the edge. And so like the overlap wouldn't have allowed for them to scratch that far. But if it's tied on, you could like kind of squish it up maybe. I don't know. I'm just like trying to picture how this would happen. Yeah. So if it's only tied, then maybe there's enough wiggle room where you can try and scratch and like get you know, a finger to like loosen oh, yeah, the twine to, like, or whatever is tying it, it together. Just some twine. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But they're saying that it was his, that it was like his niece and nephew, like his sister's kids that, that had done it. Damn kids. There's no, no DNA done on it. So um, there's also hair evidence. They found two blonde hairs that were taken from a blanket that were found on the blade. And Susan Vintiner. Vintner, who's a forensic biologist, testified in court that one hair matched to Olivia Hope through DNA testing. And the oh. defense counsel questioned the chain of custody regarding the hair, suggesting that she may have, Vintner may have um, cross-contaminated hair, hair samples sure she by examining that. known hair from Olivia on the same Ooh. table in the same day that they had taken the samples from the blade. And if you've watched any criminal procedural shows, that's a big fat no-no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like, why would why would you do that? <laughs> I know. Are you not a professional? No, I know why she did that. Because I looked into doing forensic microbiology bullshit. They pay you shit. Yeah. So that's true. honestly, 50000 I got a, well, I don't have it yet, but I'm getting a PhD. You want to pay me $50,000? That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's not good. Anyway. Yikes. <laughs> It sounds like a really fun job until you say that. Oh, it sounds great. And I was super excited. I looked into it and then I was like, no, 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 no. I'm worth more than this. That's more than my salary. Oh. There were also cellmate confessions where like cellmates were saying something about this where they had said that Watson had admitted his guilt to this crime. They still don't know how or what was actually even done. But yeah. the defense basically had said that one of these witnesses, at least one of the witnesses, had significant purpose of his own mm-hmm. to not actually, like, tell the truth in this case. So they, And they actually weren't in the same cell long enough to be able to develop any sort of relationship where Watson would have actually said anything like this. They're, like, down the hall. Yeah. He's and like, especially not- I killed two people! 
He's not getting drunk <laughs> in in prison, right? So like he's not Bruno, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So essentially with all of that, it's just like he's been convicted of the murders mm. in September of 1999. So it took a okay. while. And it was an 11-week trial. And he was essentially just sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of non-parole period for 17 years. Oh. He told the jury, you're wrong. Ha! When the verdict was read out in court. And he's continued to insist that he's innocent since his conviction. I honestly don't know what to think. Me neither. Yeah, like I'm 50/50 like... 50-50. He's a sketchy dude. He's a sketchy dude, white supremacist, woman assaulter. I don't like him. No. But who's catch But that doesn't mean that? he's guilty of murder. But yes. there also could not have been a catch at all. Maybe it was a sloop. What's the difference? Maybe it was a really thick wind vane that looked like a second mast. I got it. Because it's a homemade boat. It's a pirate ship. A ghost <laughs> pirate ship. Yeah. Maybe it sunk. Right? If it was that low to the water, maybe it got a hole and it just (laughs) sank and they all drowned. All right. I'm not the first person that Googled this, but a sloop has one mask. Mast, Mm -hmm. very obviously. So if he did have a weather vane, I guess it could look like a second mask. A cutter is a sloop with two foresails and a mainsail, and a catch is two masts. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to see what the and they're very striking, the right? Is. Like yeah, but yeah, yeah, catches are cool looking. Everyone would have noticed a catch in that area. Yeah, they would have been like, Whoa. they are really cool looking. Very obviously different. But with the sail, if the sails aren't up, I don't know. Scott Watson was born on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy one, making him a cancer. Aww, cancer. Hmm. Cry baby. Yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on this one. Yeah, me too. That's unsatisfying. Is he still in prison or did he get parole? I did not look that up. It's been 17 years, Sarah. (laughs) I know. Hang on. (laughs) Scott Watson, not the musical composer, New Zealand. (laughs) He's 50. Okay. Four days ago, no obvious way forward for convicted murderer. Oh. Okay, so he's still in there. Watson convicted 1999, murdering friends Olivia Hope and Ben Smart. Wow, this was four days ago, and I didn't see this article. (laughs) (laughs) When did you write this? Not four days ago. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Slash maybe today. I always always operate on, like, the day of. You know me. No. Rehabilitation. There was a chance for it, but they haven't done any. Okay. Okay. Watson really remains someone who is says a psychologist, capable of the callous and calculated murder of two strangers without any form of risk-based rehabilitation. I do believe that. We agree with that assessment. Assessment is at the core of our view. It remains an undue risk. Are they still looking for it? you got to admit you're guilty or you don't get out. Looks like he's there forever. Yeah, because you have to like, con- yeah, they want you to confess. Because if you keep saying, no, I didn't do it, then you can't be rehabilitated. Yeah, you can't, you know, yeah. therapize your way out of that. But I do believe that Watson could... He sounds bad. He could kill two strangers. I don't know if he killed these two strangers. Yeah. I don't know. On a separate side note, a sloop is generally faster and sails closer to the wind than a catch. (laughs) I've learned more about boats in this episode than I have ever learned before. I heard a sloop was better in low wind and a catch was better in high wind. I heard that a catch is easier to operate by yourself in a sloop. <laughs> I heard that sketches of sketchy catches were sketchy. <gasps> I think Sarah heard the one truth. <laughs> I also wonder if 
what if Alex listens to this still? We were trying to find our yacht boys when we were in Woods Hall. <laughs> yacht boys. Because uh, hi Alex. Hi. We never did, but you know. There were definitely some yachts that docked, and we were right by Mm -hmm. Martha's Vineyard where all the bougie people are. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) That's what I get. All right. Love it. It's hard to wrap up. But hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I keep going for these, like, cold case missing persons not really closed. Like, no one knows what happened to them at all. There was no evidence that showed, like, blood or anything. Just the two hairs. One of these days, though, we're going to get it right. <laughs> we're going to have figured it out in our drunken podcast. Oh, we're going to ask the right question. I'm convinced one day we will solve something. <laughs> yeah, I like their missing cases. Like, I think those are important to talk about. This one's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm 50-50 on Watson. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Do we have any other astrology besides his cancerness? He doesn't. Cancer-ness? He doesn't sound like a cancer. He doesn't. No. If he's unevolved, he could be trying to like force a relationship or something. But yeah. All right. Well, I do have a, a sextile coming up. Woo! This episode will air on December twenty seventh, and on December twenty ninth. Mars and Sagittarius will be sextile with Saturn in Aquarius, and this is going to be a good day to work on a complex long-term project. <laughs> on the 29th? <laughs> the day before? Like, I'm taking that week off. I know, but it still might be a, a good day to be The productive. day of. I'll write a script. Okay, perfect. And it's also going to be a good day to experiment or try to accomplish something in maybe a new way. And remember, if there's no risk, there's no reward. I don't like risk. I don't like gambling. I hate gambling. Okay. I hate it. It gives me so much anxiety. (laughs) Well, actually, if you want to place a bet, I'll place a bet on almost anything. I love bets. I love bets. Like, I lost 40 bucks in Jack... Jack Black. Black Jack? <laughs> Jack oh, Black Brian, robbed on. you. Jack Black robbed me of $40. <laughs> He's in hard times. I just like ran away going, <laughs> hard times for Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's doing fine. I don't think he needs your 40 Mm-mm. I lost 40 bucks in blackjack within like five or ten minutes. The one time I tried anything when I was in Vegas. That's not as fun. And I was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> it's way more fun to bet on like a sports game. You can get sure. really into it or just bet your friends to do something stupid because you get to see it. Sure. Yeah. I like gambling a little bit, but I always set aside like a certain amount of money that I'm willing to just part with for entertainment purposes. Almost like you're going to a show and you're buying tickets, right? Oh, so- yeah. I've got a hundred bucks. I'm going to go and gamble my hundred bucks. And when it's gone, it's gone. And it was fun, right? But I went on my 31st birthday to Vegas and I decided that I was going to play roulette, which I'm not really familiar with, but I thought, hey, I'll pick some numbers that are relevant to it being my 31st birthday and my date of birth, right? And I won 130 bucks and I only awesome. spent 20. So, oh, that's, that's good. That's a good return. And you stop yeah. at the right time. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I know, and I'm like, okay, cash out. And they're like, what the? 
you, but you just went. I'm like, no, I'm good. Uh, I, yeah, I gave you 40. <laughs> We're going to stop now. I would. I'm going like, to go no, to the bar. That's not how it works, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Give us more money. I just thought it would be fun to place, you know, a bet based yeah. on my birthday. And it turned out to be a winner. And that was a lot of fun. And then we had gone to another casino, and my dad was like, well, I'll do that. And he put 20 bucks down, but then he, he <laughs> did on, on my birthday numbers. So it was only only meant to be lucky that one time. So I mean, I've never gambled in a casino, but bets. I mean, it was fun. But again, you have to be willing to lose whatever money. And that's hard for me, too. So I do my set amount. Like, this is an entertainment yeah. thing. And then once yeah. it's gone, it's gone, and I had fun. But... The most fun is just to drink and people watch. <laughs> yeah. That's the most fun. But. I did like that. Like the opportunity to just like dress up and mm-hmm. be like one of those like, like I had a short dress on. I had a drink in hand, high heels and just like walked around and like would stand next to people and like watch the games <laughs> as they were going. Having no fucking clue what was happening. But if you stand close enough to a table, like they'll, they'll come by and be like, drink. what's your drink order? Yeah. yeah and you mm-hmm. get drinks for free. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like everybody's arm candy. <laughs> <laughs> you are the right? casino's arm candy. <laughs> Yeah, basically. So if you would like to share with us any other words that mean boat, <laughs> hit us up. We're on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You could email us directly. Spain, please reach out. We're at truecrimetrine at gmail.com and check out our website, www.truecrimetrine.com. I already know the word schooner. So a different word. Schooner. And we're going to close this out. Plans are optional style because Hannah has to pee. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.